Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. This is Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk, Season 3, Episode 9, and a whole lot of football to talk about today. Mostly going to focus on the Big Ten Media Days and what Kirk Ferentz had to say and then what the Hawkeyes' opponents in 2022 had to say. Some of the key takeaways from the Big Ten Media Days from the Iowa Hawkeyes' opponents this coming season. Obviously, they have nine games in the conference. And before I do that, I do want to talk a little bit about the Iowa City NIL Club. This was the NIL name image likeness group that was started by the players. And I joined to check it out and see what it was like. But today was the first event. It was a conference call, a video chat. Forgot all about it. It was about 45 minutes long at the last minute. Got the text, downloaded the Google app that I needed. And called in, and it was it was really well done. I will say that Arlen Bruce was the mediator, really bright guy, uh, did just a great job as a mediator there. And you know, so good on the court or on the field, I should say. Last year, as a wide receiver, running the ball, catching the ball, and you know, no matter what he does, you can tell he's going to be successful in life. So that was really cool to see. He was joined by Jay Higgins, Justin Britt, Luke Lachey, who else? Mike Mislinski was there. You know, a few other guys I'm, I'm, I'm missing, forgetting about, I think. But um, they talked a little bit. You know, some of the, the fans were able to ask questions, whether it was through the video chat or submitting written questions through the chat. And they talked a little bit about culture, Iowa football, what training camp is like. Uh, Luke Lachey talked a little bit. He was asked about Steven Stilianos, the new tight end. And boy, he sounds impressive. He is huge. I've read that he's 6'5, 265. And, and Luke did say he is so big. You just wonder if he can run out there. And then you see him out on the field and he can run good routes. He can catch the ball. So he's going to be another weapon and also a good guy to have blocking for those Hawkeye running backs this year. So it's going to be a. A three-headed monster at tight end. That's going to be fun to watch. Uh, what else? Jay Higgins, somebody brought up his dad and how good his dad is on social media. Hawk, hawk, hawk. Um, but, I, you know, I don't want to go through all of it. Just, it was pretty cool. So if you want to join, it's the Iowa City NIL Club, $199. I'm not sure what else they have planned. There's a tailgater coming up uh, where you can hang out with the the players after the Iowa-Iowa State game. So. It's going to be interesting, and uh, it was cool getting a, just a different, uh, I guess, viewpoint directly from the players talking to fans. You don't see that very often. Well, let's get back to the Big Ten media sessions. And as I mentioned, the Hawkeyes have nine conference games, of course, this year. Five are on the road and four at home this year. Now, last year, it was five at home, four on the road. It rotates each year. The Western Division has five road games this year, so there's another challenge. Those road games are always difficult in the Big Ten, but the Hawkeyes' crossover games are Ohio State on the road, Michigan at home, Rutgers on the road. So the Hawkeyes are going to face the top two teams out of the East this year. Let's go through and see what the other teams in the West have. Illinois will face Indiana, Michigan State. They do play on the road. At Michigan as well. Uh, Nebraska has Indiana 
at home, Rutgers on the road, Michigan on the road as their crossover games. The Badgers, like the Hawkeyes, have to face the Buckeyes at the Horseshoe. They have to play at Michigan State. But I really don't think that the Spartans are going to be near as good this year. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year with that season they had. With all their transfer portal players that really panned out for them, especially the running back. The Badgers also host Maryland, so that should be an easy win for them. And then the Minnesota Boat Rowers travel to Michigan State and Penn State, host Rutgers, Northwestern. By the way, Northwestern plays Nebraska on August 27th in Dublin, Ireland. So that's less than 30 days away. That's just unbelievable. Football is just about here. And they travel to Penn State and Maryland, and then they host the Buckeyes. Purdue, uh, a lot of people call them Purdue these days, but they are Purdue until the Hawkeyes can get over that hump and beat them. They've had a lot of success against the Hawkeyes of late. They host Penn State, first game of the season, and travel to Maryland, and then travel just down the road to play the Hoosiers. So the Hawkeyes really have a tough schedule, having to go on the road to play the Buckeyes, getting Michigan at home, and... Hey, you might as well play the best if you want to be the best. So I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for a tough schedule. Same with basketball. You look at the basketball team this year, Fran McCaffrey's really scheduled some really tough teams, and it's just fun to watch that. So so it's going to be good. And you know, Rutgers, too, they have a feel of a team that may be coming on a little bit this year. It's year three of head coach Shiano there. And, you know, he, he's returned to the Scarlet Knights. He was three of six uh, in the COVID year, five and eight last year. But let's not forget, he had an 11 and two Rutgers team when he coached there previously. He had a couple of nine win Rutgers teams as well. So he knows how to build a team. He's coached, you know, he has quite a bit of experience. I mean, really solid experience coached at Ohio State. And granted, Rutgers was in the Big East back then. It'll be harder to get nine wins playing in the Big Ten. But I just don't think the Hawkeyes are going to roll in there and get just an easy W where Rutgers is going to lay down. They're going to have to fight for that win on the road. Just like you pretty much always have to on the road in the Big Ten. It looks like Purdue has the easiest crossover schedule. Uh, Penn State game one is difficult, but both teams are in the same boat there. And maybe it's better to play them right off the bat, have a chance to stun the Lions at home. Just whoever's ready to go in game one is going to win that game more than likely. And, you know, they travel to Maryland and Indiana, probably the two worst teams in the East. So favorable schedule for Purdue. Let's kick it off with Kirk Ferentz as he made a little bit of headlines. some headlines, even nationally, with his comments at Big Ten Media Day. Well, Kirk Ferentz, he expressed some concerns around the direction of college football, and that made headlines, but who doesn't have concerns around the direction of college football with all the things that are going on right now? Change is just happening so quickly, and it's a sport that we just love so much, and, you know... I don't want it to get ruined. I want it to continue to be a product that we really love to watch. Most concerning to me 
is this transfer portal where they're saying unlimited transfers. It just I, I get one transfer being allowed without penalty, and then sure throw in the grad transfer. So there's a chance at two in your career, but just being able to transfer every year if you want to, and maybe even chase the NIL money, that just doesn't feel real good to me. He didn't get into that kind of detail, but he did say he agrees conceptually with players making some money off of NIL, but he does see danger in how that can play out with the transfer portal, and he mentioned tampering. You know, it, it does seem like that is an issue especially if the NCAA allows multiple transfers instead of just the one plus grad transfer. But, you know, you can make one or two mistakes. Maybe you went to the wrong place or your coach left. There's a lot of reasons why kids can can transfer or want to, and there's some real legitimate needs. But do you need to transfer every year or, you know, three out of four years or every other year? And... It just doesn't seem like it to me, but Kirk also mentioned that geography and tradition don't seem to mean as much anymore when it comes to conference members, and TV really is now at the top of the list, and now obviously he's referring to UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, and if you recall, Kirk had the plan of not traveling to the West Coast any more to play games because of the time zone difference just being too difficult, other than bowl games, of course. But, you know, he said he's going to embrace it now. I mean, obviously he needs to embrace it because that's where things are headed. And Coach Ferentz also talked about how the NCAA really needs a commissioner just to provide some consistency around rules and to be able to enforce rules. And finally... He did mention that revenue sharing uh, with players is probably a good thing. That's one of the the other things that players are pushing for right now is revenue sharing to get a piece of the pie, probably from those huge TV contracts that the schools get. On the field, Kirk Ferentz mentioned that this is a very veteran team, a lot of great players back, also lost some good players, but he's excited watching the new guys step up. And defensively, He mentioned losing three really good players in that defensive backfield, which the Hawkeyes did. I mean, you think about the guys they lost. uh, It's pretty incredible. Hankins, uh, Belton, Kerner, really good guys. But then you look at the team that they have coming back and the defensive backs that they have coming back, and you just get so excited about this season thinking they can be even better somehow. (laughs) Really remarkable. And then he talked about losing Van Valkenburg on the line. They talked, you know, said that really collectively, it's just a really good deep group on that defensive line, and and you can sure see that a lot of guys back with experience this year, and guys that were were pretty young last year that really have a a year under their belt now. Linebacker obviously stacked. You can tell that he really likes all three of those guys. Did say that Campbell's probably the tallest linebacker he's ever had. And boy, is he a big kid, about 6'5", 245, and such a talented linebacker. But all three of those guys are, are really talented, and I think this defense is just going to be incredible this year. Well, offensively, Coach Ferentz talked about just how young 
the line was last year. You know, other than Tyler Linderbaum, of course, Tyler Schott. But, you know, my main takeaway is just how optimistic he seemed to be about the offensive line and the growth that they've seen with that offensive line since last year. And Kirk mentioned the quarterback competition with Petrus and Padilla, how he expects both to play much better this year. If either one gets thrown out there, they're going to be better because they've got another year under their belt and they just continue to improve. So that's obviously very exciting to hear. And running backs and receivers are very young, but they've been battle-tested, especially the wide receivers. Well, Ganey is the old guy in the wide receiver room. They've got some really talented young guys. Arlen Bruce, Keegan Johnson, of course. Um, Jacob Bostic, the incoming guy. will be interesting to see what he can do. Who else is going to step up? Is it going to be Brody Brecht? Um, interesting to see. There's a lot of walk-ons as well. Deontay Vines is a guy that I've been, been looking forward to seeing out there as well. And Kirk said he's just really pleased with the tight ends with Laporta and Lachey. And, you know, said that Lachey is going to be a really good football player. Just really exciting to hear. And he did show flashes last year. Had some nice catches. Averaged about 16 yards per catch last season. Pretty impressive for a big, big tight end like him. And then on special teams, mentioned Tory Taylor, how it's so nice to have him back and, you know, the way he can, he can really sway field position in a game. But they need to find a guy to replace Caleb Shudak, who had such a great season last year. So it's going to be interesting to watch that unfold as far as the kicking game. Who's it going to be? Uh, there's three guys out there. Drew Stevens, Ayala. I hear about Stevens and Aaron Blom the most, but who knows? We'll see who who rises up and and takes that job. It may take a few games into the season as well. Maybe there'll be, you know, one guy doing kickoffs, one guy doing field goals until he misses one, then they may run another guy out there. But hopefully one of those guys will step up because that's so important in winning those close games. Well, Kirk Ferentz. Really pleased with how the offensive staff is doing when he was asked about Brian, his son, at offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. He, he, he really likes how that is going so far. Uh, also mentioned just how he has five former players on staff and, and how, how nice that is. Of course, he also said that means he's getting old, but uh, he is 67 years old now and has been with the Hawkeyes since 1999. And then John Budmeyer, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I've heard it said Budmeyer, Budmeyer. I believe it's Budmeyer, but he keeps coming up, and Kirk says that he has been a really good resource as an offensive analyst. And he talked, you know, just, just mentioned how it really does make sense for his son, Brian, as he's the offensive coordinator, to also coach the quarterback. You need those two to be on the same page. And that's what I've been saying as well. I mean, it just makes sense that your offensive coordinator is also spending the most time with the quarterback. Um, and 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 you're really going through the playbook together and knowing what to do in each situation, not spending time working with tight ends or running backs. Spend your time with the quarterback who can make the biggest impact on that offense. 
Well, I'm going to run through my key takeaways from the Big Ten media days for the Hawkeyes opponents next season. And the first game of the year is going to be Rutgers on the road for the Hawkeyes in game four of the season. And I mentioned Greg Schiano being in year three, trying to turn that program around for a second time. And he has a quarterback who's been around a long time. He's using his COVID year for a sixth year in school. A lot of people go to school for six years, right? Let's just hope he's trying to become a doctor or maybe at least getting a master's degree out of that extra year. But Shiano said there is competition. He's not going to just hand it to Noah Vidral uh, and let him take the reins again. Gavin Wimsett is one of the options at quarterback, and he has turned heads in practice. He was a four-star recruit, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in week one and which quarterback will be leading the team in week four when the Hawkeyes hit the road to face Rutgers. Next up, the Hawkeyes will host Michigan and Kinnick Stadium. And the, to me, just strange, odd head coach Jim Harbaugh wouldn't tip his hand around who the quarterback will be to open the season. But remember, Michigan is coming off a playoff appearance, the first under coach Harbaugh. And the offense was a big reason why last year. Michigan has been good on defense under Harbaugh, but something just really clicked with Josh Gaddis, at offensive coordinator last year. But Gaddis is gone now, and he's being replaced by two guys, Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss. And they have a senior and a sophomore battling for the quarterback starting position. The defense is what I'm curious about with some really big-time guys that are gone now. A headline by Aiden Hutchinson who's in the NFL now, and he just smoked the Hawkeyes last year in that Big Ten title game. Uh, Really worked that offensive line. Harbaugh just seems to think that the defense can be better this year than last year, and I hope that's just coach speak, uh, or they're going to be really tough. But he's also said he'll take any of his players' kids if they get a girl pregnant and they can't take care of it. He even talked about this at the Big Ten media days. And... You know, again, kind of just an odd guy. I'm hoping that he goes back to being just an average coach with a lot of good talent, especially after losing his offensive coordinator to the University of Miami. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Wolverines will be will do this year. But uh, I think the Hawkeyes have this one circled after what happened last year, 42-3 to uh, in that Big Ten title game. And Kinnick Stadium will just be rocking when the Wolverines come to town. Well, next up, it's that tricky road contest in Champaign, Illinois, and big Brett Bielema. He has a team that just seems to be moving up. You know, he's in year three. They won five games last year, a couple of really nice wins over Minnesota and Penn State. And one thing to note around Illinois is just how their defense really improved last year. They only gave up more than 20 points two times in their final nine games last year. So another really salty defense in the West. I mean, you look at the West, other than really Purdue, maybe Nebraska, teams are are really known for their defense more than their offense. Well, Brett Bielema talked a lot about the vibe in the building and how this team just feels different. He feels confident knowing his players better, the guys that he's recruited. You know, making up most of the team now, and and after being there for a few years, just just has a a better feel for the guys. 
And keep an eye out for the Illini offense this season with new offensive coordinator Barry Looney. He runs an up-tempo offense, and Illinois really struggled offensively last year. They had some pretty good success running the ball, but if they can get a passing game going this next season and still run the ball, look for them to make some more strides forward. And, you know, Bielema was successful in Madison, and he came into a really good thing there. Barry had built up the program. He tried and didn't have so much success in the SEC at Arkansas. That probably just wasn't a good fit for him in the SEC. He just seems like more of a meat and potatoes kind of guy, uh, more suited for the Midwest. Well, then it's off to Ohio State after a bye week, and maybe Brian Ferentz can come up with a 2017-type game plan where the Hawkeyes just wipe up the field with the Buckeyes. Don't count on it, though. This Buckeyes team is going to be good. Iowa's defense is going to be really good, but I just think they're going to get worn down after a couple quarters. And Ryan Day is looking to go undefeated in the regular season, get back into the playoffs this year after losing to Michigan last year, going 11-2, and winning the Rose Bowl. And you would think that they were, you know, 5-7 and seven or something last year because Day is just so down. He says the players are so down. They're a little bit calloused after last season, losing two games and only going to the Rose Bowl. And just can you imagine being that upset at eleven and two in a Rose Bowl win? But that's where Ohio State is compared to the other Big Ten teams now. Ohio State was just 59th nationally on defense last year, and Day brought in Oklahoma State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles to take over the defense. Plans to have a top 10 defense in 2022, and if that happens, watch out. This team is going to be hard to beat with that offense. Uh, just really dynamic offense if they have a good defense as well or you know, just a high-caliber defense. Seems crazy, though, when you to bring in an Oklahoma State defensive coordinator. And I don't know, maybe I just don't follow it well enough. Does Oklahoma State typically have a good defense? I think of the Big 12 you know, as a, a league with all offense and very little defense. So that's going to be interesting to watch. And, and I think maybe Oklahoma State is more like Iowa State with a little bit better better defense uh, than maybe the other teams in general. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Well, Iowa has Northwestern at home next. Uh, they got the W on the road last year in a close game. But Northwestern was just really bad last year. And they seem to be on an every-other-year run lately. They're good one year. They win the West, and they're really bad the next year. So will they bounce back in 2022? Fitzy seems to think so. Um, but really just kind of an awkward time in the podium for Fitz. And it, it's kind of a strange thing. I'm starting to respect him a little bit. He and Kirk just seem to have a genuine respect for one another, and you know, despite how much they want to beat each other. But he just didn't get very many questions, and he had a good response to that saying, that's what you get when you only win three games. You know, you're not going to draw a whole lot of attention at the media day. And not too many people, let's be honest, really care that much about Northwestern. But they do have the trip to Ireland to take on the Huskers. That's kind of a big game. And it could determine which one of these teams is going to have a pretty decent year. Feels like one is going to kind of break through, win some games this year, at least be bowl eligible, not win the conference or anything like that. but that game could catapult one team to having a pretty decent season. 
and it's another quarterback competition uh, in in Evanston. And uh, you know, other than Ohio State, almost every team it seems like as I'm going through here so far has kind of a quarterback competition going on. But they didn't go to the portal for a quarterback, so it's a battle between the 2021 transfer from South Carolina, who played in nine games last year, and then an untested recruit. But Fitzgerald seems happy with their development. You know, really the biggest thing to me was learning that they're building a new station, uh, stadium to replace Ryan Field. And that just seems so strange to me because they do not get many fans there. But maybe that's the plan, have a nicer facility, and maybe they think the fans will come to watch them play. I haven't been to Ryan Field in years and years. I remember it being fun because there were so many Hawkeye fans at that game. Plus, obviously, all the things you can do and see while you're in Chicago. Next up is Purdue and Jeff Brom. Circle this one on your calendar. I'm telling you, this is the year Iowa gets over the hump, beats Brom and the former Hawkeye wide receivers that transferred there. Jeff Brom was asked about how the the Charlie Jones transfer came about. He just did not answer the question whatsoever, but he did rave about Charlie as a player. Uh, and Purdue, remember, they won nine games last year. Huge year for that program. But it's another team, I guess, with no quarterback controversy. When you look at Aiden O'Connell, former walk-on, is back after having just a great year last year with 28 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, over 3,700 yards passing. Well, they lost their best defensive player in George Karloftis, and they lost the top three wide receivers from last year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that team will go with new faces in 2022. Hopefully not very well. You know, although I guess I don't care too much. Uh, other than really the late Charlie pilfering or whatever you want to call it, however they that came to be where they got Charlie Jones. He's no longer a hawk. He's operating enemy territory now. So, I, you know, Purdue's not a team that I've really cared that much about in the past either way. You know, as long as the Hawkeyes take them down in West Lafayette, that's all that matters there. I don't see how they can replicate what they had last year without some of the weapons. No David Bell on this team for 2022. Wisconsin will be coming to Kinnick Stadium in a game that very well could, hopefully... It'll be the, the determining game for who wins the Big Ten West. The Hawkeyes, uh, we need them to come out victorious in this one. Wisconsin has won too many games over the last several years. And, you know, is there a more dull coach to listen to than Paul Christ? Oof. I tried listening to him standing up there on the podium, and I just had to keep fast-forwarding through. You really wonder how he can keep bringing in top talent with that personality, but I guess Barry just has that program set up to succeed, and it just keeps rolling. And I tried to listen to see if I could pull out any nuggets. I couldn't really find anything except maybe Jim Leonard now is the defensive coordinator, and he seems like a really good coach. I don't think they're going to have any kind of a drop-off there. They've lost a lot of really good defensive players, so that is going to be something to watch. How are they going to rebound from that? But they just seem to have Iowa's number with their defense. The Hawkeyes need to figure that out. And the biggest question on offense, you know, is this going to be the year that Graham Mertz breaks through at quarterback for Wisconsin? You know, they, they have a heck of a good young running back and sophomore, Braylon Allen. He is just a beast. 
just a big, big guy, and they can pass the ball. You know, it's going to be just huge for that offense. If they can't pass the ball, teams are going to start figuring out uh, how to stop the Badgers, and they're going to they're going to drop some games next year. Two more left, and you know, a couple more trophy games to end the season. First is the road trip to Minnesota. PJ Fleck seemed to have had some sort of a botched plastic surgery in the offseason. It, it seemed like, I don't know, he just looked different. He's always looked kind of goofy, but just something didn't seem right there. Um, but, you know, I have a really tough time listening to him. I've, I've mentioned that before. Uh, just don't think there's a whole lot of authenticity coming out of him. But interesting to me that they brought four guys as well. I thought every team brought three guys, but Minnesota brought four in to talk to the media, and they have a sixth-year quarterback in Tanner Morgan, and they also have Mo Ibrahim back, and he's another six-year guy. I guess they have four six-year guys. They call themselves the Encore Four. So many mottos in that Golden Gophers program. Uh, and they have Kirk Ciaroca. I can't, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce him, his name, but he's back at offensive coordinator for the Gophers. Really interesting path he has taken. He was the offensive coordinator at Minnesota from 2017 to 2019. He was previously with Fleck at Western Michigan as well. He left to coach Penn State for a year before being fired. Franklin just fired him after one year where the offense couldn't get going. And then he spent a year as an analyst at West Virginia. And now he's back at offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Minnesota. So that may help the offense this year. And Tanner Morgan you know, may get going again. He seemed to have really regressed in his career, and maybe this familiarity with, with the offensive coordinator will bring back some production from the quarterback position. And finally, Nebraska. <laughs> really the most cringeworthy video clip from Indianapolis was when Scott Frost took the pod podium awkwardly, looking severely hungover, maybe... He enjoyed some of the watering holes around Wrigley Field the previous night. Um, maybe he just didn't get a whole lot of sleep. Who knows? But you know, he was asked if he had some opening comments, and he said, no, I'll take questions now. Just so strange. Every other coach has several minutes worth of opening comments, and he just declined to have an opening comment. And then there was another awkward pause, and some, some questions started coming in. Well, Frost declined to acknowledge that he's on the hot seat this year, which I get. You know, he doesn't need to be talking about that. But he did he did discuss quite a bit about, you know, how close the team is, how they've been closing the gap as far as competition, but they just need to, to close out games, win more games. They've been close, and they did have a lot of close games last year. Really crazy when you look at how close they were to having a really good season. But something just seems to be missing, whether it's from the leadership there or the culture. They just can't quite get over that hump. So it's going to be so interesting to see what happens in kind of this final year for Scott Frost to either get it done or probably be gone. They have five new offensive assistants after Frost cleaned house after last season. They brought in 15 guys from the transfer portal. So... How's that going to pan out? How's that going to help this team? And he did say that he thinks the offensive line 
is going to be better with the new coach that they have in 2022. And he really believes they're going to be able to run the ball much better. So who will be under center, though, for the Huskers this year? Adrian Martinez is now at Kansas State after transferring. Will it be Texas transfer Casey Thompson? Florida State transfer Cheba Purdy. He's the brother of Brock Purdy, the former Cyclone quarterback. Stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting year when it comes to Nebraska football. They either need to get it done, get to a decent bowl game, or Scott Frost is likely going to be history. And, wow, this season is coming soon. As I said, August 27th, Dublin, Ireland, Nebraska Northwestern. That'll be here before we know it. Well, if you haven't listened yet, I made my season predictions in Episode 8. So go back and give that a listen if you have time. Can the Hawkeyes win 10 games this season? That would just be amazing if they could do that again, especially when you consider Michigan and Ohio State on the road. So really looking forward to this season. I have made arrangements, and I'm going to be in town for the opener. Can't wait to get back into Iowa City. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, Uh, listening to Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. Really appreciate it. And go Hawks!